This episode of the Best Seats Podcast is brought to you by, well, you. To learn how you can support the show, go to thebestseats.com slash Patreon. Once there, you'll learn how you can get early access to shows, ad-free listening, the ability to submit questions, comments, concerns, and more. Once again, that's thebestseats.com slash Patreon. But enough of that. On to the show. What's up, everybody? Hello and welcome to the first ever episode 58 of the Best Seats Podcast, the only podcast bringing you interviews with some of the most talented people in and around the hospitality community from right here in Orange County to the rest of Southern California and beyond each and every episode. As always, thank you to my friend, Ali Coyle, who provides music for the show, but more on that in a second. As always, I'm your host, Croft McCarthy, founder of The Best Seats quick reminder if you enjoy the show please be sure to leave a rating and or a review wherever you are listening to it it helps other folks discover it as well go to thebestseats.com for more and don't forget that you could have had early ad-free listening by going to patreon.com forward slash the best seats and signing up at a monthly amount that makes the most sense to you now i said that we were going to get back to talking about ali Coyle, who provides music for the show and the reason for that is very simple Allie is, after a long time trying to get her on, finally, my guest. I am so, so happy to get uh, Allie on the show. The Coyle family are some of my favorite human beings on earth. I absolutely adore them. Uh, there are three restaurants here in Orange County, Fable and Spirit over in Newport Beach, Dublin 4, Gastropub, and Wine Works for Everyone, both situation. Uh, those are over in Mission Viejo. They're just good. They're great people. They do great things. They make great drinks. They have great chefs who do great food. Above all of that, they know how to build a restaurant that feels good. They know how to build a place where you want to be, where you want to eat, where you want to enjoy your time, where you know as soon as you walk in, hey, I'm going to have a great time right now. And it's just fantastic. Dublin 4, cozy as hell. Wine works exactly what a wine bar should be. Fable and Spirit, without a doubt, one of the best-looking restaurants in not just Orange County, I would argue Southern California. They know what they're doing. But above all else, they do it with charm, style, wit. And Allie is no different. She's a fantastic musician, above all else, a fantastic friend, but she's also probably one of the best wine directors in Orange County, and again, I would argue Southern California. She's very, very talented. She's humble. She knows a great bottle. She supports great vintners. She just does everything right. In my mind, the perfect type of guest, somebody who, again, well, you know she's a talented musician because this is her music that's on each and every episode, which she was so kind enough to basically allow me to kind of license from her the very first episode, almost you know, more than a year and a half ago. I'm so excited to share her story with you, what's been going on with her. I hope that you will enjoy this. There is some pretty timely, sensitive stuff. She's got an album coming out soon, and she will be releasing, as you'll hear in the show, a wine along with it, um, which is definitely a little bit of a time-sensitive one. So depending on when you're listening to this, hopefully you can get some. But if not, you're going to have a great episode ahead with my friend, Ali Coyle. Enjoy. Ali, thank you so, so much for finally being on the show. This is the... Uh, well, we're getting up towards episode 60 now, but this is one of those fun parts where normally every single show, I say, I can't, you know, so happy to be here. Would you mind introducing yourself? But if people don't know who you are after damn near 60 episodes, they should be shamed because you have been gracious enough since day number one when I approached you to provide music for the show. And I'm so happy to finally have you on as a guest and talk about the family's restaurants, your music and everything else that's going on. But just in case this might be somebody's first time, listening, would you mind introducing yourself and giving a little bit of your background? Absolutely. Uh, thank you, Crawford, for that. Um, my name is Allie Coyle, and I am the wine director at uh, Wineworks for Everyone in Mission Viejo, Dublin 4 Gastropub, and Fable and Spirit in Newport Beach. 
which are definitely no kind of slouching restaurants, by the way. I love that you very humbly just say, no, I'm just, you know, wine director and things like that. No, these are Fable, especially you're talking (laughs) a powerhouse restaurant. I have one job, one job, just wine. It's really easy. It's not bad. Um, for people that may not be familiar with the restaurants, I they're they're three of my favorites. Uh, Fable, especially all the accolades you guys have won, I think are well deserved. Anybody who's been there would agree and attest to that. Um, all three of these restaurants may not look like family businesses, but they literally are through and through. You describe your role within it. Would you describe how the rest of the Coil family how it breaks down between the three restaurants? Yeah, absolutely. So my. Mom and dad opened up Wineworks in 2006. Um, We didn't have a um, a history in restaurants. It was just a passion and something my dad wanted to do, and he figured it out. Um, So we opened in 2006, and around 2012, um, the space next door to Wineworks became available, and my dad was like, well, we should put something there. We could expand Wineworks or we could put a pub. Um, So we decided to put in a different concept, but uh, expand our kitchen in the back and execute both locations from one kitchen. Um, And then, yeah, so from there, uh, my brother and I got really involved. I would say when the Irish pub opened up, um, I, I kind of like laid down more commitment to the business and, um, started serving here and serving at Wineworks a lot. And then as my brother got older, he got really involved as well. And he started learning about bartending and became now the beverage director. And he does our cocktail program for all three locations. And I do the wine and we just kind of all work together. When did Fable come onto the picture? 2019. It's a baby. Yeah, it's a little baby. Survived 2020 and still going strong. And I want to say it was restaurant of the year for what Orange Coast and someone else gave it restaurant of the year. Yeah. 2019. It's perennially one of my favorites. Not that I, I swing as much kind of cloud as an Orange Coast, but yes, you do. You guys came out. I mean, to, to go from both of these, which are beautiful restaurants, beloved by everybody who's ever been here. And when new people come here, they're utterly surprised by both of them, regardless of where they sit. Fable came onto the scene and just blew the doors off people's expectations. What was it like going from both of these restaurants? And again, I don't want to diminish them. I I want to celebrate these, but taking everything you learned here and launching Fable. We definitely knew we would surprise people because Fable and Spirit is its own concept and it's completely a departure in a lot of ways from what we do down here in Mission Viejo. But um, we were excited to surprise people. You know, we had worked really hard for, you know, 12 years and um, my dad wanted to open a third location like Fable and Spirit for for many years um, he just we just slowly kind of cultivated the concept of it and along with our chef um, David Schaffner who started started with us um, when we opened the pub so that was in 2012 um, we kind of wanted to come up with something that was a dream of our families but also a dream of the chef in terms of the menu and the food that he could execute. So um, it, we knew it was going to be a lot um, and a lot of pressure, but we were really tight and we worked together through and through. And um, yeah, I'm just really happy with how it went and I'm happy with how Orange County has accepted Fable and Spirit into the restaurant family and I mean, how, how you've helped us. And chef chef Schaffner is wildly talented. Um, I think he was very much underrated until Fable and Spirit came on the map. And then you got some of the bigger media people kind of paying attention to what you guys were doing, both as a family of restaurant tours and him as a chef. Um, and I think all the accolades are very, very well deserved. Thank Fable you. and Spirit, and again, and, and it's going to be interesting, at some point, I'm going to get your brother, Drew Coyle, on, who you mentioned, uh, onto the show. He's been a little stubborn to track down, so Drew, if and when you hear this episode in support of your sister, text me back, because I want to get you on the show. So I can't wait to hear his perspective as well on how Fable came to be. Um, but coming into it, you know, taking over the wine program, you know, your family started this, your parents are from Ireland, so the Irish pub made sense, coming out here to California, wanting to be restaurateurs, a wine place makes sense then going upscale, the, the entire story adds up on how you guys have kind of come to be as a family of restaurateurs. 
from your perspective, speaking to your story, how did you get into wine and how has it taken such a, a passion for you? Because, and, and I don't want to blow smoke up you just because of the fact that you're on the show and we're interviewing, but I would say you're probably one of the best around the Orange County area at what you do. You've, I've never had a bad glass. I've never known anybody to have a bad bottle. You bring in some great stuff, both traditional and natural. How did you fall into the wine world? Wow, thank you. Um, so proximity, I started working at Wineworks when I was 19 or 20 years old. And by the time I turned 21, I knew that going to sommelier school was something I wanted to pursue. Um, just because I was a, around wine, I was listening to my dad tell all these stories that came from all different parts of the world. Um, and I loved that with wine, there's always a sense of place. It tells a story of a year and um, every year is different. Um, I, I love that it's typically something that has a history of being passed down from different generations or being very, to use like a, a beer term, being very craft, like it's the OG craft. Yeah. Um, so I, I loved that part of it. I loved that I could learn about the world. I could learn about science. I can learn about art. Um, I can learn about politics. I can learn about law. I can learn about so much in one subject, but also wine tastes good. It's fun. I mean, it's kind of a win, 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 win. It's true. If it's saying you don't like wine, unless you, you know, are recovering from a drinking problem, in which case Godspeed is kind of like saying you don't like sunshine. Yeah. Like it's, it, it's good. It's just good for you. Whether even, it's a small dose or a big dose, it's just good. Even if you think you don't like wine, I still believe that maybe you just haven't found the wine that really speaks to you or connects with you. So um, I, I, I can change people's minds. When you guys were, and, and I don't want this to turn into a fable and spirit episode, but I do have a couple more questions on that restaurant in particular. Wine Works in, in Dublin 4, where we're recording this, um, these are neighborhood haunts. These are beloved institutions, local here in Mission Viejo. I think it's safe to say Mission Viejo is a little bit different than Newport Beach. You guys opened up a big, bold, beautiful restaurant in the heart of Balboa. What was it like putting together the wine program for that? Um, you're right, it, it's two different locations. Mission Viejo, um, here in Mission Viejo, we're so successful because of our community. And that's why you walk in the door and there's an automatic warm energy, um, people love to be here, they've been coming here for years. Um, there was a different type of pressure to open in a new area that isn't where we grew up. Um, but at the same time, I I liked the challenge of it and putting together the wine program. I, I just did what, what I do at Wineworks, which is I try to represent amazing producers from all over the world and a variety of them at a variety of price points. Um, and I'm not gonna lie, like I got a lot of criticism before opening, you know, if, how do you, like, how can you work with these producers if people don't know them and no one's gonna wanna buy them? And I knew that wasn't true because at Wineworks, I, I sell all sorts of wines all the time and it's just a conversation mm -hmm. and it's just getting a splash in the glass. And next thing you know, you've learned something about a producer you weren't, weren't familiar with and you're hooked and you wanna keep learning, so. I wasn't scared, um, but I'm also happy that it worked. Food, <laughs> it could have uh, gone very badly. <laughs> food, food media people are, they're picky to say the least, right? It, it's yeah. all subjective. When somebody puts out a top you know, five list or these are the best restaurants, okay, we, like, you can interchange some of them, but it's still, it's all subjective. You guys opened the only restaurant I've ever heard of where everybody I know in food media universally agrees. Oh no, yeah, it's really good. Oh, like, wow. it, only time everybody's agreed. That's yeah, that's horrifying. You opened in 2019. Of, yeah. <laughs> uh, I want to say summer 2019, like yeah, late summer, June. give or take. In okay. June. So six, seven months, maybe eight under your belt. And then the big pointy <laughs> elephant in the room. What are you COVID talking hits. about? Oh. Now, Wineworks in Dublin 4, you guys had the community. You you switched to the takeout model. You were selling wine out of Wineworks. You guys did a bunch of different little things. These ones I was never worried about. A lot of people were worried about Fable, the new kid on the block, not a lot of outside seating, food that doesn't traditionally translate that well to to-go. Yeah, you can sell wines, but 
what was that challenge like for you guys as a family and, and from your perspective to have this brand new beautiful baby, you know, restaurant of the year, best new restaurant, whatever it was, and then bam, that big yellow beautiful door is shut. <laughs> it was horrifying. It was really scary. But um, we, we have each other and we just, you know, literally put our heads together and started thinking of ways to, to save to save everything. Um, and we got pretty creative with it um, from, you know, grilling yakitori outside and putting the flat top out there. And, you know, people can see the food and smell the food and then, you know, they'll, uh, they'll be curious. Um, I did a series of outdoor wine dinners under the Lido Theater Marquee. Mm-hmm. And it was an exciting opportunity to change the theme every week and we found that there were a number of people that came every single week to that dinner. And we didn't over make it an expensive type of dinner. We were sensitive to what was going on. We kind of just wanted to make an event that would work for everyone. Um, yeah, I was, uh, I was traveling when you guys did the, uh, the Southern uh, oh, yeah. theme dinner. And we I, had to do I that one twice. It. Yeah, and I, I miss both of them, and I still regret it to this day. I'm glad you brought up the what you guys did under the marquee at the Lido Theater that was one of those events that when it hit, everyone just kind of went, oh shit, like, <laughs> this is not just tables in a parking lot, like people doing their best and people have really done their best with that. That was beautiful. I mean, how did that come to be? How did, like, did y'all just knock on each other's windows one day in the movie theater and be like, well, you're not using the space. You what might. do you think? How did that happen? Well, there's two stories. There's the story where my mom thought of it and then there's the story where my dad thought of it. No one knows which is true, but one of them had the idea. Well, I don't know if you've listened to a podcast before, but we got time, so. (laughs) (laughs) One of them had the idea. Together, they came up with the idea to um, to do to use that as as seating. I think my mom looked up there and she said, "Imagine if they like put our name on the marquee, and we can buy like velvet stanchions and make it like quote unquote red carpety and do." outdoor seating there like that would be so exciting um and we asked our landlord uh who you know he owns our space mm-hmm. and that entire center and it was it was a done deal it was easy they they said that's a great idea um that's great just be careful <laughs> yeah i mean the amount of again I, it's not like landlords have this easy too they still have to pay their bills i know everybody wants to point the stick at them but some were great during the pandemic some weren't so great during the pandemic so yeah. for you guys to have a landlord that was very accommodating like that was great and for people that may be listening that don't know what i'm talking about go to i want to say there's still photos of it on fable and spirits instagram yeah there should be which will be linked obviously at the end of the show notes uh, go check that out if you don't know what we're referring to because it really is beautiful what you guys did for those events thank you yeah it was really fun um it it got us all out of our heads and it gave it felt you know it felt normal it felt like something that i would do here at Wineworks, like a themed dinner. We did, you know, French bistro menus, Italian menus, the Southern fried chicken menu. We did, we did all sorts of stuff and I would have wine pairings and it became fun. Like it was like yeah. something we really missed. Is that, is there any possibility of that event coming back again or something? I mean, obviously now that things are pretty much for the most part reopened, depending on what people are hearing the episode, is that something you guys might be able to do in the future on like an off night for the theater or something like that? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it definitely is something that people have asked about and, and if we can, when we can, yeah, absolutely. We would love it. Love it. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit more about wine, not so much as it pertains to the restaurants themselves, but in general. So I, I'm very much fascinated by natural wine. I'm a big proponent of it. I love traditional wineries as well. Some of my favorite wines have come from traditional wineries. Um, a lot of friends that still work in that space. There's a lot happening in the wine world right now. Um, and there's people that I'm, I'm hopefully going to have on the show in the next couple episodes that can speak um, to that as well. But from your perspective, I want to know, A, kind of how did you get into the natural wine world? Because you bring on some amazing bottles. Some of my favorite wines ever have been ones that you've brought in first. But also B... What, what is the wine world kind of like right now with what it's going through? Not just kind of environmentally um, with obviously California just getting ravaged by forest, you know, fires and things like that, but also culturally, because there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes, kind of fixing toxic work environments and, and kind of a lot of different things happening in wine itself. 
Yeah, there's a lot happening. And I think before I even begin to try and answer these questions. Yeah, it was a super would, easy question. Definitely not heavy at all. I want to ask you what a natural wine is. So for my amateur understanding, a natural wine is something that has zero intervention where you're not using pesticides. You're not necessarily dry farming, although that's obvious. Dry farming, from my understanding, this is the amateur explanation. Please Google it to learn more, is where whatever irrigation you're giving your vines is natural. You're that's not correct. adding additional water yeah. or things like that. Um, natural wine for me is you're not adding pesticides. You're not adding... It's all organic. If something happens to it, it happens to it. But otherwise, you're basically just letting the grapes grow. You're not adding sulfites. You're not adding any type of additives after the fact. You're basically just getting the grape, taking the juice, fermentation bottle. Yeah, I think my, the reason I ask you is because the one thing about the natural wine world is I feel like there's confusion and people don't know what's natural and what's not natural because at the end of the day... It's just a word. There's no um, law behind it. Yeah, um, it's not like how in, in Mexico up, calling for, you know tequila is tequila, but you also have mezcal. Yeah. There's no like denomination process. It's for up it. for interpretation. Mm -hmm. But if if natural wine is you know the best quality farming, um, whether that's organic or biodynamic or permaculture, if it's you know at the end of the day, great farming little to no um, commercial additives um, and minimal intervention, then yeah, like I'm all in, you're all in. But I think where it gets a little confusing is some, some wines that I've been buying for years and have, that have been making wine that way for years, people don't associate with being natural. Um, so it's just something that I, I think is interesting um, because I work with you know, wines from France and Italy that they don't even know that people are saying, is it natural? Is it, they, don't, they don't even know what that means. Yeah, they don't know that as soon as a bottle lands here, all of a sudden we're like, psychedelic, look at that, it's jumping juice, let's yeah. go. Yeah, it's crushable. Yeah, so it's not, as, I guess my point is there's a lot of changes and it's really great. Um, I'm happy that people are excited with natural wines, um, but I think... The point I'm trying to make is that there, there, there are a lot more natural wines maybe than we realize. Um, it doesn't have to be like a brand new producer to be natural. Like natural wines aren't new. Mm -hmm. um, but if, if, the, if learning about natural wines or minimal intervention or organic farming or biodynamic farming helps us understand the process and the best way to make it, um, and eventually convinces most producers to avoid these chemicals that can be added legally. Um, if we can convince producers that we don't want that, then hopefully all wine is natural. Um, that but, would be nice. Yeah. Um, is it ever surprising when you, because inevitably, I'm assuming that you have conversations with customers, the natural education process kind of comes where they're trying something new and, oh, tell me about this. Oh, maybe, you know, maybe it's a skin contact, right? Or a quote unquote yeah. orange wine. Mm -hmm. And now they're learning about it. Is there ever kind of that aha moment where someone says, well, you know, I normally drink this. And you're like, ooh, actually, you may not want to because it's filled with X, Y, Z, you know, blah, blah. And, and legally, they are. These are not things that people are modifying like under the table. But yeah, there's like 200 different things you can add to wine legally in the United States and it's all regulated by the TTB, um, tobacco. So if you go on their website, you can look up what they are and it's everything from like mega purple, like coloring to sugar, to, you know, to different fake acids and preservatives. Um, but it's touchy. I'm not going to tell somebody who's been drinking a certain type of wine their whole life and they mm -hmm. love it and it it's like, it would be like me telling you your favorite sports team yeah. is they're like terrible people. They're and, still subjective and whole, things. It, and it, it's like, yeah. You have to be careful. I'm like the last thing that I ever want to do when it comes to wine is to push people away or make them feel like they are doing something wrong or they don't know, or they're done. Like mm -hmm. that's not my thing. Um, 
there are ways to be excited about other wines to kind of guide people, but I'll never tell someone that like what they drink is, isn't, isn't good or something like that. Yeah. Drink what you want. Yeah. I I like the fact that wine, I want wine to be approachable. So I want to ask how you find the time to do all of this awesome work across three different restaurants when, as anybody who's been listening to this show knows, you're also a musician. You very graciously, I, you know, your instrumental is what I use for the introduction and the out, you know, outro for the show. You're, you know, part of, you play in a band, but you also just released your solo EP. It's about a month old at the time of this recording, which people can go check out, uh, called songs for my therapist. Um, how did you get into music and it, well, we'll start there. How did you get into music and get into what you've been doing? Yeah. Um, I started playing music in school. Um, I started playing violin elementary school and I was naturally pretty good at it. Um, I had like a good ear for it. I was, and from there I kind of just got competitive with playing violin throughout school. And, um, I would spend a lot of time practicing and always competing for like the first chair seat in the orchestra and, um, then I, I started playing guitar and playing guitar. There was like no competition there. Were, I didn't even know the notes or the names of the strings. I just lo- like, I just used my ears and would make songs on a guitar. And that was kind of like a, a freeing way to do something that I loved. Whereas with violin, I was always on myself, you know, trying to, um, trying to be the best. I, um, I had a friend who once told me that playing a violin is like playing golf. It's always just trying to fail a little less. Whereas playing the guitar is like off-roading. It's like, well, something might go wrong, but we're just going to roll with it. Yeah, I I love that. I totally agree. Um, And yeah, when I started playing guitar, I I started, you know, writing songs. And I've basically been writing songs since I was like 12 years old. Um, But um, yeah, from there, I just kind of always said, yes. Do you want to be in my band? Yes. (laughs) Can you play bass? Yes. Yes. Can you sing? Uh, yeah, sure. Kind of. And eventually <laughs> I, um, I got to the point where I could do all those things. I, uh, I was very fortunate to be able to go to Ireland in 2019 and you're just enthralled by the music there and not just the, the stuff you hear in the pubs, but the, just people busking on the street and playing their songs. And was there ever a fear with your, your Dublin parents for to be like, shit, she's just going to take that guitar and go out on the street and start busking and... <laughs> Um, <laughs> or were they no, just they like, of course we were going to have a musician. <laughs> they wanted me to busk. They would say, Allie, come on, let's go. Let's go to Grafton Street. You should bring your violin. And I'd be like, no, I'm too shy. But uh, eventually, yeah, I, I, um, I've, I've done the busking on Grafton Street a couple of times. And my parents, they love it. Uh, anybody who's not been to Dublin, Grafton Street is one of the main streets down in, uh, I want to say, Temple Bar area, um, right near the university mm-hmm. down there. You always see a lot of musicians down there. And it's a great, great place to catch some amazing amateur music and my parents love music. So they were always excited, always supportive. And I think that my dad and I have this understanding of each other. Um, I understand that opening wine works, the first restaurant was his dream. And Mm -hmm. he understands that music is, is a dream of mine. And there's never any challenge or any question when it comes to me playing and doing doing it because he knows I love it. Well, I was going to ask about that. I, I, I Many, many episodes ago, I want to say back in like the teens or something like that, I had a good friend of mine, Chef Frank Deloche, and he made a great analogy about how stand-up comedy is a lot like being in the hospitality industry, like late hours, very competitive, a sense of camaraderie, you know, kind of illicit materials and poor decisions kind of surrounded a little bit. Music is no damn different. I mean, late nights, crowds, you know, people, everybody's a little bit maybe above 0.08. You know, it, it's, <laughs> it, what is it like balancing the two where you're going from, you know, the kind of restaurant life to you've got a show in 20 minutes? I mean, how is it, how do you find the, the time to balance everything? I, and I want to say speaking outside of 2020, because obviously that's a big ass asterisk on this answer. Um, yeah, I just make it happen. I, I don't think that there are many days where I do nothing. Um, I'm either doing wine here at the restaurant or I'm pursuing music. It's like, there's no in between. And yes, there are nights. Like I remember feeling crazy. I worked a Valentine's day, 
um, service, you know, with five course menu mm-hmm. and God wine pairings. You. Yeah. And then I jumped in my car and booked it to Harvard and Stone in LA and I played a midnight set. <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. I mean, because Valentine's Day, you're automatically, t- it's not like you said Mother's Day, which would have been a harder work, but at least it would have been in the morning. Valentine's Day, so evening dinner service, and then you had to book to LA. And Harvard of Stone is in, it's, where is it? It's like on the border of Hollywood and Silver Lake, I think. Yeah, but it's not like just, oh, LAX and one exit. Like, Harvard, you got to work to get to Harvard and Stone. I've been up there I know, there and before. then you have to park. Yeah, good luck on that. <laughs> well, they had my stuff, so I was like, you guys set up the stuff. <laughs> so you just and ran I'll, on. And I'll just run in. Nice. And I did. You're like David Ortiz just pinch-hitted it. You're like, no, I no, did. I got it. Thanks. And yeah, it was, it was crazy, but I didn't... It was worth it to me. I can't do that every day, but it's definitely something I have done. <laughs> I love that. Uh, so again, like I said, we're about a month since you released your first album, Songs yeah. for My Therapist. When did the process of creating that start and how much of a factor did all of last year play into it? And I should say, first and foremost, for anybody that hasn't heard the album, hit pause go to Spotify or wherever it's listed at, go listen to the album and then come back and hear because yeah. it's going to make a lot more sense. <laughs> um, well, the uh, Songs for My Therapist was done. Oh, really? I was planning to release it in May of 2020. So um, I, I think the hardest part for me was I struggled with even if I should even release it at all. Um, because it had been so long since I finished it. And then there was so much going on, as you know, um, in so many ways I was, I felt like really sad. I felt like it was kind of irrelevant, um, compared to, you know, everything that was raging. Um, and I had to make the decision eventually to release it this year. Um, but I almost did. And I was, I almost just was like, well, this isn't going to. So you, all right, so you were basically a Disney executive. You're just like, well, we're going to delay it a couple months. Yeah. yeah there you go. All right, you scar yourself. I like it. Yeah, <laughs> I did. I did. What was the process like for you creating the album? Because first and foremost, and again, this is not blowing smoke, it's really good. I mean, it's really good. Your music is great. I love listening to it. It. How? What was the process like of, because I've talked to friends about how do you develop a cocktail menu? How do you develop your food <laughs> menu? I've never been able to speak to a friend about how did you develop your solo album? Yeah. Um, so I, as, as I said, I've had been playing music, writing music for a long time, my whole life since I was a kid. And I had been in different bands, but I had always wanted to release a solo album. Um, and I wanted it to be, very vulnerable. I wanted it to have, I wanted, I wanted there to be a point. I think that's why it took, it took me so long, but the concept of it is just me searching and asking myself tough questions and, um, kind of, it's like coming of age. I know I'm 30, but, um, it's, it was me coming of age, learning to accept myself. And, um, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm 33. I'm still waiting to grow up. So yeah, me yeah. too. Um, and there was just a lot of stuff that a lot of, a lot of doubts in my mind that I've have had for so long. And, um, I started seeing a therapist and one day I, when I was, you know, struggling to decide if I would even pursue music at all, or if I should just give up, um, you know, cause I'm kind of busy anyways with all this restaurant stuff. So yeah. why don't I just do that? <laughs> why am I doing music too? Why don't I just put all my eggs in one basket? So when I was struggling with it, I asked myself like, Maybe my, maybe my therapist will be the only person that ever hears any of my music. Um, and then that, that's where I came up with the name. But yeah, ultimately, the beginning, there's questions. And it's kind of like, there's different themes about love. And then there in the middle, there's a song called On My Way. And it's like that story I told you where I like left work on Valentine's Day to play Harvard and Stone at midnight. And I woke up the next day and I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> You're like, oh my God, I'm so tired right now. (laughs) And then, of course, I probably had to, I probably went to to work the next day. Like it was not. Yeah, probably. It just. God forbid it was inventory. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So yeah, at the end, my point is, is that I hope that people can hear that I grew mm -hmm. um, throughout the time that I was writing that music. And um, I've got to ask the question that myself and everybody who is currently listening is thinking, what was your therapist's reaction 
when they heard that the title was inspired <laughs> by them. Uh, she was she she loved it. She was like, "That's so great for therapy." She's like, "That's so cool. I wish I could tell everyone, but I can't." <laughs> Talk to like, patient confidentiality. But cool. <laughs> she's like, I, she's just she's like, I wish I could know. tell everyone. Like, it's about me. It's about me. I know. It's about me. Yeah, she's the real MVP. But yeah, it it was it was great. Um, I'm happy that I started seeing her, and um, yeah, now I'm at the point where, like, she said a couple times, like, "So you know, we're probably." At the end of our journey together, I'm like, no, um, I just thought about this other problem I have. You're like, no, 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 Songs of My Therapist Part Two album yeah, no, is releasing no, need, soon. Yeah. yeah, I just, yeah, she, it's. I think, I think it's really healthy to be able to talk to someone and for someone to be able to motivate you and um, and like kind of highlight things that maybe you don't see in yourself. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you're your own worst critic. Um, so for me, it was great. And yeah, if you if you're feeling if you feel like you need it, you should you should get a therapist absolutely it is okay to not be okay yeah uh, a month since release how does it feel now i mean going through all of that kind of that dread and and maybe like imposter syndrome and just feeling like maybe this isn't the right thing to do how does it feel now to have it out there in the wild and, and get the the response that it's gotten etc it feels really good i feel so much better it's funny um the day before it came out, um, I hung out and met Ashley. Um, mm -hmm. Yep. For the first time, heirloom. Heirloom protege. Yep. yep. Heirloom friend of the show. Protégé. Yeah. So I, I met her for the first time. I brought over a bottle of wine, and she just wanted to show me her garden. And like we had lunch, and after that, it's like finding Narnia. Right? Yeah, like it you was. You walk in, you're like, the fuck? This is in my backyard. This is great. Yeah. So that was the day before it came out. After that, I went to. Um, Delilah Snell's house from Alta Baja Market. Mm -hmm. And she's, you know, I live in downtown Santa Ana. She's a big part of the community. So I just had this like magical Santa Ana day with people that inspire me. And I got home. It was the night before, you know, the EP came out. And I had this feeling. I was like, wait a second. I think I'm better. I think I just, I'm healed. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was ready for it to come out. And now that it's out, I'm happy. And I want to create more. Whereas before, not putting it out and trying to write other music was kind of like too much for me. I just mm -hmm. felt like I was going nowhere. So the reason I wanted to ask that, and, and I'm glad you gave the answer that a, you want to create more because selfishly I want to see you create more, but also I'm curious now that we are, you know, back open. Um, I know that there's talks about potentially looming other restrictions with Delta variant and stuff like that. I personally don't think they're going to happen. I don't think anybody's going to close the doors again. Um, we're it, it's not slow out there i mean it's busy it's busy people are back people are jamming bars are full i mean the Lollapalooza photo from chicago has obviously been making the rounds virally yeah. i mean it's almost like and i've been using this analogy for a couple episodes now it's almost like we were waiting at the starting line and the marathon gun went off and everybody's off to the races is there any fear that with being so busy again that you might lose that time to be creative because obviously People are short-staffed um, to varying degrees, depending on everybody's respective restaurant. But it's busy out there right now. I mean, what's it been like? A kind of coming back these past, you know, these past summer months. Um, and Fable and Spirit, I can only imagine being on Balboa. But what about the rest of it? So there's a slight bit of fear, um, but to be honest, I was way busier last year than I am now. Even though, you know. We're, we're back in business, we're going, we're busy. The type of busy I was last year, which is like damage control, mm -hmm. learning like how do I learn, like learning all these different softwares and online ordering and all sorts of, you know, private event planning and website Last stuff. year like, was running a plane crash. This yeah. is just managing the airport. Yeah. Like, no, this is like, fine. So I can handle this. Last year was tough. Everyone says, oh, you must have written so much music last year. And I was like, no, I didn't. I didn't write one thing. <laughs> um, so to answer your question, I, I'm scared a little bit, but not not that scared. Yeah. I can handle it. Good. That's great to hear. Yeah, I, I have a good feeling and I have um, I have some show opportunities coming up, hopefully. And um, yeah, I've, I've got a lot to share. I've got I'm putting out a, a wine. Yes. <laughs> well, it's time for a little commercial yeah
I don't know about you, but 2020 had me re-looking at how I live and the space that I live in. Spending so much time at home really had me re-evaluating how certain things worked and didn't in my living space. One of the main things, as an avid home cook and an obvious supporter of restaurants, was gardening. Anybody who enjoys food at all will be able to tell you that something you've grown yourself will taste infinitely better than anything you can buy at a store. That's where Ashley Irene of Heirloom Potage comes in. Heirloom Potage designs, installs, and maintains seasonal culinary gardens for chefs and foodies in Orange County. They provide organic gardening methods and bespoke build-outs used to preserve the heirloom varietals that they'll provide for seeds. An approachable and exciting endeavor, no matter if you're a seasoned restaurateur or a stay-at-home chef. Owner Ashley Irene's experience, expertise, and enthusiasm is only matched by her professionalism. For more information on how you can set up a consultation to get your own culinary garden space set up, go to heirloompotage.com. That's heirloom, H-E-I-R-L-O-O-M, potage, P-O-T-A-G-E-R.com today. Once again, that's heirloompotage.com. The last year provided so many challenges for restaurant owners. Now that they're finally getting a chance to open their doors again to the public, it can only be an exciting thing. However, some of those challenges still remain like hiring new staff after having to let go of them for almost an entire year. That's where Hire Lilo comes in. Custom built from the ground up by hospitality professionals, Hire Lilo is your destination for restaurant hiring. Applicants can create resumes on the site, set up meetings, use the virtual messaging system to communicate with potential hirees, and more. Restaurants also have a multitude of options to choose from, including selecting mandatory shifts for specific positions, and more. The website is easy to use and is a perfect build-out for the hospitality industry. None of the other fancy stuff are trying to compete with every other industry on the planet for new hires. As I said, it is hospitality-specific, making it your destination for hiring. Using the promo code STAYSTRONG, all one word, you can create a free job posting today and start to fill those hiring voids. Hire Lilo provides on-site help. They'll sit down and make sure that your restaurant is set up and properly ready to go, and that you can utilize all the features Hire Lilo offers. To learn more or to create an account and get job posting now, go to HireLilo.com. That's H-I-R-E-L-I-L-O.com. Once again, that's HireLilo.com. If you listen to the best seats at all or read the content, then you know the motto, live well and often. But what does it mean? In layman's terms, it's trying to give you the best products, places, experiences, and more, so you can put a big smile on your face every single day. Amass Botanics is what I use on my back bar constantly if I need a cocktail or a quick pick-me-up. Any of their other botanical products, like candles, hand sanitizer, and more, also helps to set the mood. Now, I'm a big fan of everything that Amass does. I have been since day one when they launched their trademark gin, and everything they've done since then has been nothing short of excellent. Now you can get your hands on their products at a discounted rate by going to amass.com and using the discount code THEBESTSEATS15, that's C-E-A-T-S, at checkout. Now it's limited one per customer, so make sure you load up. But trust me, you can't go wrong with anything they're doing. I stand by Amass 100%. They're one of my go-to brands for spirits needs or anything around the house. So again, go to amass.com, that's A-M-A-S-S, and use the code THEBESTSEATS15 at checkout. Trust me, you will not be disappointed. Wine? Yes. All right. <laughs> I was hesitant to bring it up. I didn't know if we were allowed to bring it up. And I forgot to ask before the show if we could bring it up. Oh, yeah. So thank you for bringing it up. Um, talk to me about that process. So to my understanding, and you can correct me in 30 seconds when and if I'm wrong, you're releasing a wine with a winery basically as a way to celebrate the launch of the EP. Correct. Correct? Yep. That's okay. my merch. Can you break that? Well, it's better than a t-shirt. I like that. Yeah, um, people, people don't, they want wine. They do. They'll buy wine. A, how did that relationship come to be? Who are you working with, et cetera? And then B, what are the details kind of if and when you can share them, et cetera? Yeah, so um, one great thing about last year was I got to go to Paso Robles and do a little crash course um, in and some, some cellar winemaking stuff with Aaron Jackson. And he has his own winery. It's called Aaron. And it's up there in Tin City. So um, my dad has been buying his wine since before 
I started buying wine and since I've, you know, been buying wine and we always got along really well and we became friends. He loves music. Um, his wife plays music. I've visited him, visited him over the years in Paso and he found out that I had an internship in Sonoma that got canceled because of the fires. Mm -hmm. So he said, why don't you just come for as long as you want and I'll just like show you. And then it's, it's, it's something, it's not an internship. It's not like a month, but it's whatever you want it to be. So I, I took him up on it and I went up there and, um, yeah, um, I asked if he had any extra wine laying around. And at first he was like, I don't think so, but let me, let me see. And it turns out that he did have this, um, wine. It's one of, one of his, of his blends that he does that I buy for the shop all the time. And he had some extra juice. He said, you can buy, you could buy, you know, X amount if you want. Um, because I, I put it in a bottle, but it, it didn't get to, to the labeler. So you can buy that. So I, I bought it off of him and, um, it's going to be my private label wine. Um, but made by Aaron Jackson. And it's one of the wines that I loved anyways. And the way that I kind of, or something I thought that was cool about it was that the vintage is, um, 2018 mm -hmm. and that's when i wrote the songs so i'm kind of thinking oh, okay, okay these little cool. grapes were growing and yeah, i was growing that's pretty serendipitous um yeah so it just like all worked out okay so. i'm glad you brought this up this was something i was going to put up on the blog at thebestseats.com but i was holding off until i got details and then when we set up the kind of time to record i was like okay well maybe we'll bring it up and we'll go yeah. from there and if not i could always ask you after the show what can you share details? When's it coming? When can we, yeah. I mean, I, I know it's all cased up and bottled and stuff like that. I've seen the photos of it, but when, when, when can we, we, yeah. we want it? When, when can we, we get it? it? Um, so it comes out on August 22nd and, um, yeah, I, I'll have it available at Wineworks or you can message me on Instagram and I'll, I'll sell it to you. But I have about, I, I'm, I'm releasing 150 bottles. That's it. Perfect. So I'm going to hand number them all. Um, hand label them, hand wax, dip them in wax. Like all of it's going to be done by me. Right. I'm being the very rude person and I'm bringing up the phone, which hopefully won't go off because it's connected to the Bluetooth on the device we record on. So August 22nd yeah, on a Sunday, this episode will be out. Depending on when people hear this, you'll hear it early on Patreon. So you'll get first dibs, but everybody else, this is going to be, if you hear this on free feeds, that is two days from now. Okay, because this is going live that week. So if you're hearing this on Patreon, you can get in line early. Everybody else, well, run. Yeah. But that's great. I love yeah, that. I, it's special to me. And, you know, like you said, um, or like you asked, is it hard to find balance? And the answer is yes. But having a wine as my music merch was a way for me to just kind of be like, oh, th like this is me. It's not two people. It's not Ali the Psalm. And Allie, the musician, it's just no. Allie. And I, I hate to use the pun, but you're literally blending the two worlds dude, together. Dude, that so. was good. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, yeah. Writer first, podcaster second. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think I, I didn't realize how much I struggled with like the double identity until recently and really being able to see myself as just one person mm -hmm. and people can know both, both sides of me. It feels really good. I got one last question. When are you going to be playing your own music in one of the restaurants? I don't know. No answer. Either, either live or over the speakers. No. <laughs> my dad will probably play. It. <laughs> he probably already does. My dad, is, my dad loves to play all different songs that I've written over the years. I love some, it. Some that I'm, I cringe when I hear them. I'm like, Dad, we got to take this song off. It's not very good. <laughs> um, Times have changed, man. But yeah, eventually I would love to do something here, maybe at the pub. Um but it's it's that's TBD. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure yet. Um, but I will be playing, you know, more in the fall. And um, I've got a vinyl coming out as well. I'm just waiting for it to arrive. Great. Um, so the vinyl when I when the vinyls get here, then I'll I'll play maybe at the Wayfair or um, you know somewhere in Santa Ana. Uh, friend friend of the show, Niaz Pirani, is a huge va uh, vinyl guy. His ears just perked right up. Yep, it's pressed on 45. <sighs> Sounds great. Um, I, hope, I hope he pulled over his car if he was listening. Otherwise, he just crashed. Yeah, it sounds really good. I, I got a test pressing of it, and I get it. Like, I get why 45 uh, sounds uh -huh warm. Moment. And, yeah. and the mix on the the mix sounded so much more clear. It, it was just so cool. That's great. Um, so it, it's worth it. Awesome. 
Yeah. Well, you're obviously a very, very busy person. I don't want to take up much more of your time. <laughs> um, if people want to, and I say this every damn time in the show, so I don't know how they missed it, and it's still going to be in the intro to the show. So, but if people want to find you, your music, um, or follow the restaurants and kind of follow along with any of the three, where can people do that? Um, yeah. So I I post like a lot of stuff on my Instagram, Ali Coil Music. Um, but yeah, any, anywhere else would be either, if you want to find about the, out about the restaurants, we all are on Instagram. So that's at Fable and Spirit, at Wineworks for Everyone, at Dublin 4 Gastropub. Um, and then we all have, you know, corresponding websites as well. Um, but if you ever just like want to know a little bit of everything, you can follow me and I talk about like everything I do on there. And as you already heard in the intro, alicoilmusic.com and definitely check out songs for my therapist wherever you are listening to stuff but spotify is where i've got it on mine and you can make sure to subscribe to this podcast while you're there but that's a humble plug uh thank <laughs> did you, you get so did you get everything you needed i yeah thank Enough you about the, about the natural wine that's such a we need to have like a whole episode on just natural wine and well, not natural wine i i know where to find There's you so much <laughs> i know and that's going to be there will be a follow-up that's i'll get your brother on at some point and i'll get you know you two together at some point and that'll okay. be fun Thank you so much for the time, my friend. I'm so glad to finally have thank you on. Thank you. I'm honored to be here. And yeah, you're, thank you for everything you do for the restaurant community, the beer community, the wine community in Orange County. You are such a support and you're only out there to stand up for people. And, you know, you're not afraid to say things, you know, when you got to say them. And I just really appreciate you. Thank so, you very much. I know it's that nice I speak hear. for so many people. Thank you. Well, no doubt we'll get another natural wine exclusive episode only soon. And um, yeah, I just look forward to seeing you, seeing you soon. Cool. You too. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much to Ali for taking the time and sitting down and jumping on an episode. I have been waiting to get her on and it only took 57, but I finally got her on for 58. I hope you will go check out her family's restaurants if you live in uh, the Orange County area. Even if you're in Southern California, make a weekend out of it. Come down, stay in Newport, go out to Fable, go over to Mission, check out the other ones. Again, make some time for it. If you're in Southern California, please check them out. If you're in Orange County, you really have no excuses. Other than that, I want to thank the sponsors for the show. Thank you as Allie, not just for being an amazing guest, but as always for providing the music. Thank you to everybody that supports over on patreon.com forward slash the best seats. Even if you are signed up at that $1 a month amount, you make this show possible. You make all of this possible. I hope that you will continue to go support bars and restaurants. If you're going to be on Yelp, for God's sakes, be nice about it. Don't forget to tip your bartender, ladies and gentlemen. Go grab a nice bottle of wine. Go listen to Ali's music. And I'll see you soon. Take care. The Best Seats Podcast is an original production of The Best Seats. It is written, edited, produced, and owned by myself, Crawford McCarthy, founder and principal of The Best Seats. It's based in Orange County, California. It is subsidized through generous monthly donations at patreon.com forward slash the best seats. The following are the names of those who subscribed at the highest monthly tier, aka norm status, and allow me to continue producing this show each and every month. As a thank you for their continued support, here are the names. Cheryl McCarthy, Serena Warino, George Pavlov, Eric Lutz, Pizza Guy 92, Loco Lipo, Tim Falk, Burrito No Rito, Jay Baker, Sarah Hines. Thank you for your support. <laughs>